Father, we just love you this morning, and we thank you that we can call on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're the Prince of Peace, and we know that you are the God of miracles. And God, I don't know where everyone's at in this place, but there's somebody here who needs to hear that you are the God of miracles. And I pray that you would just move on your people this morning. God, that you would speak to our hearts. God of miracles, I pray that you would just touch those who need a touch this morning. And God, I pray that as we move forward, as we hear your word this morning, God, that you'd open our ears to hear what you have to say to us. God, speak to our hearts. God, we love you and we give you this time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for those who... Uh, help make this morning possible. What a great time of worship that we've had. God, truly, we serve a mighty God, and He is the God of miracles. Thank you so much uh, for leading us in that. And I just want to say again, just a special thanks uh, to Pastor Lee. He sent me an email a couple weeks ago asking me to preach because uh, he'd be gone in Portugal, as uh, was announced earlier, uh, with the team that's in Portugal right now. I know that they're finishing up and we'll be heading back Tuesday. We also want to be praying for those in Cambodia. Uh, this morning in our high school group, we FaceTimed some of our high school students that are over there, and they're about to actually go on to bed. And so we had a great time just talking with them. And I saw this morning that Andy Bob, our middle school pastor, he had posted on social media that last night that they shared the gospel to some kids, and some kids responded and received Christ uh, when they heard the gospel. So praise God for that. What a wonderful thing that truly is. And so we want to continue to be praying for those teams as well, those who are going to be heading to Peru here in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, but we also want to be praying for Jake Sizemore. As you know, that Jake is about to head out. Today is officially his last Sunday with us. And so, brother, we're, we're very proud of you. We're going to miss you. He's about to head off to, is it Virginia first? Yeah, he's heading off to Virginia to do some training before he actually heads off to Japan. And so, brother, we're proud of you. We're glad of the work that you've done. And so I'm going to ask Tyler Birch. He's our high school uh, intern. And high, uh, Tyler is also uh, called to the mission field as well. And I'm going to ask Tyler if he would come up. And I'm going to ask him if he would pray for our teams there in Portugal and Cambodia, as well as Jake, and for those that are leaving on uh, uh, to Peru here in the next few weeks. And so he had no clue I was going to ask him to come up here and pray. So that's why he looks a little nervous. So we go ahead and let you lead us in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Lord, um, it's, a, it's a blessing to be in your house, God, to gather together and to, to be in community and to, to praise you, God, with all our hearts. Father, you've called us to, to act, uh, to be like Christ in everything that we do, Lord. Um, we do that here, and some do it abroad. Father, we pray for all the people who are away right now, the Lord, in Portugal and Cambodia, God, friends, family, people there to serve you, God. Encourage them, God. It can be difficult, the Lord. Continue to be with them and help them. Spur them on, the Lord, and let your glory be shown in all that they do, Lord. Let the gospel be fulfilled in everything that they do and that they say, the Lord. And when they come back, um, just let that happen here, too. Lord, please help us and continue to spur us on to do these things as well. And thank you so much for Jake, Father, um, for the short time that I've got to know him. God, uh, he is a, a great servant to you. Um, thank you for the time that he's put here. It's very evident in the, the youth and the, the kids, the Lord, that have grown up here um, that love him, Father. As this church shows, the Lord, they do love him, Father, and we, he'll be very missed. Um, continue to encourage him and to help him on in the training that he has, Father, he's going to do great things. And as he goes to Japan, God, um, just continue to be with him, have him to seek you as he always has, dear Lord. Um, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us and the way that you're going to continue to bless us today, through the rest of this week, dear Lord, and just let us have our eyes on you. Uh, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tyler. 
Well, again, it is good to be here today. I'm very thankful for this opportunity to present God's Word. And I always get excited when I get to, to preach, when I get to share uh, God's Word. And then this morning, I walk into this uh, building, and I got even more excited. My best friend from high school, Andrew Bradford's here, and and uh, he, man, he's such a great friend. And we've been kind of catching up since Ashley and I had moved back. And uh, a- Andrew is the best basketball player I have ever seen play. So Brandon Brown, you better watch out. And so I see you back there. And so anyways, he, he's an amazing guy. And so I'm thankful you're here today. But most importantly, I'm thankful that we are all here today uh, to hear from God. And I'm praying that God would speak to us today, that we would leave here changed, that we would leave here honestly with just a new spring in our step, that we want to honor Christ and we want to do our best to live for him. So this morning, I'm going to ask if you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. If you would turn to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 4. And this morning, I believe that this message today is very timely because it deals with every single person in this room. And today, we're going to talk about temptation. Now, if I was to take a poll real quick by a show of hands, how many of you could say that this morning, just this morning, that you feel like you've already been tempted? Anybody? Yeah, okay, there ought to be a lot of hands, okay? And if I was to say, hey, how many of us in the room have ever been tempted? Every single person should raise their hand. Now, if I were to say, how many of you are tempted with jealousy? You don't have to raise your hand on that or anything, but if I was to say, how many of you are tempted with jealousy, with greed, with lust, with whatever it might be, uh, all of us uh, would raise our hands in some shape or form because we are all tempted in many different ways, and we all struggle, we all battle, and they're all different, but ne- nevertheless, we all struggle, Okay. And so the truth is, even right now, at this very point, we're probably even being tempted. I remember growing up, and man, I didn't want to be in church. I didn't want to hear that lousy preacher speak. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about Pastor Lee. Don't think that, okay? And so, but I remember growing up, and I mean, some of you might even be tempted to think, well, what the heck's for lunch? I'm hungry right now. Hey, I'm right there with you. But you know what? Uh, we are all being tempted in every, in different ways, but all of us are being tempted. And we have to understand this, that it is absolutely real. We are all being tempted. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus himself was tempted, and then we're going to see his response. So we're in Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to ask out of the reverence of reading of God's Word that we would stand together as a church, and we would listen to his Word, and then we're going to pray right after. So Matthew chapter 4. This is what it says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone." And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to Jesus. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, Lord, we want to be wise and we want to point glory back to you. And we're just very grateful for Jesus Christ. Thankful that he died on the cross for our sins. Uh, we're very grateful that he rose from the grave and that we serve a God who is alive and well today. 
And Lord, as we see in your word, I pray that today you will teach us, that you will encourage us, that you will grow us, Lord, and that we would just uh, leave here wanting to live for you. God, uh, I pray very importantly, if there's anyone in this room that does not have a relationship with Christ, God, I pray that today that they would put their faith in you. God, that they would find someone today and take care of that decision before it's too late. God, again, we're just so grateful that you love us. Bless this time, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we really break down these passages, uh, a couple things I really want us to understand. That we see here in this passage and many other passages that there is a spiritual world. There is a spiritual world, and in this spiritual world, Satan, he is real and he is active. And in this spiritual world, it involves angels and demons and spirits. And if we were to see them right now, we, our breath might be taken away. We might be scared to death. I really don't know. But it is absolutely real. And we must ignore any sound logic that says that it's fake. Just as we see this natural world as real today, so too the supernatural is real. And in this spiritual world, there is spiritual warfare. There is constant battle going on. Darkness is always present, and it is always trying to overcome the light. Evil is always at mankind's doorstep. That is sin, which ultimately leads to death, and it is the struggle of good and evil. And in this spiritual struggle, it starts with man, and it separates us from God. For all of time, man has struggled with sin, even godly men. And if you don't believe me, look at God's Word in the history, okay? Think about Abraham, the father of our faith. It is actually written about Abraham that he is a friend of God. And in Genesis chapter 20, he was tempted. He lies about his wife, Sarah. The father of our faith lies. Think about Jacob. It was said about Jacob that he was loved by God. And in Genesis chapter 25, he was tempted and he lied to his brother Esau and he used dishonest gain to receive God's blessing. Think about Moses, the prophet of God. And in Numbers chapter 20, he mocked the holiness of God in front of his brother Aaron and also the Israelites. Think about King David. What did it say? He was a man what? After God's own heart. The man who stood up for the armies of God and killed the big giant. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, he saw Bathsheba committed adultery, murder, Think about Peter, one of the 12 disciples, one of the three main disciples who almost walked with Jesus everywhere he went. And he was a man, probably preached one of the greatest sermons ever recorded in, in uh, at the day of Pentecost. And in Luke 22 and John 18, denies Jesus so he could save his life. And today we see many TV preachers and pastors and authors who say that Christians should not struggle with sin, that Christians are not going to be tempted. That is absolute foolishness. We are all tempted today, and we have to understand that it is real. And in this spiritual warfare, there's a history. Satan, since the beginning of time, is dead set on destroying the kingdom of God. He wants to ruin God's work, and he wants to obsess you, he wants you to think that things of this world are better than what things that God has to offer. He wants to confuse you. He wants to cause you to doubt. He wants you to cause, cause you to question God and every single point of your life. And ultimately, he wants to control you for his own purpose. He doesn't want you to live for Jesus. He doesn't want you to honor Jesus. 
a couple months ago, we were having a staff meeting. I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, but Amber Verbus, who's our, uh, our business administrator, she brought up that every time she's trying to do the right thing, that Satan is always there to distract her, to ruin her life. And Brother Lee goes, yeah, because Satan hates your guts. Yeah, that, that's typical Brother Lee, but I, I remember him saying that. And I was like, that is so true because Satan wants to ruin our lives and he wants to lure you into a place that you do not want to go. This is absolutely serious. And we are all involved in this and I myself, I am not exempt from this. I am just as sinful as anyone else. And I understand this, that, that I've got to look at myself when it comes to this and I am prone to sin at every single point in my life. And my mind is prone to wonder, and I am tempted to think unholy thoughts. My heart can be set upon pride, and I can be quickly angered when someone gives me a dirty look or makes a snarky comment. I'm even tempted with pride to compete with other spiritual leaders to see who's more holy, even more successful. I am tempted to even cut corners to gain advantage over others. I'm tempted to even lie to make myself look better, and I sometimes even value my appearance over a genuine heart. And I understand this, that one wrong word, one wrong look, one bad decision can wreak havoc upon myself, my family, this church, and ultimately bring disgrace upon God. I am prone to that, and Satan wants to use it in my life, and sadly, he wants to use it in all of our lives. But there is good news. Did you hear me, church? There is good news because Jesus Christ has overcome sin. Jesus Christ has overcome Satan. One day, Satan will be shut up. Satan is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere like God. He is only a creature. Yes, Satan controlled Adam, but praise God, Satan cannot control Jesus. Absolutely amazing that we have a God who overcame and people might want to say, well, yeah, Jesus was tempted. He overcame. Well, duh, he's God. But know this, he was tempted. He was tempted like you, was tempted like me. He sees what you're going through. He sees your struggle. He understands. Hebrews 4.15 tells us this, that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's talking about Jesus. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet remained sinless. Great story about a man named Robert Robinson. He lived in the late 1700s, early 1800s, and uh, he grew up in a troubled family. His dad wasn't really there. His mom really wasn't much involved in, in his life. And about his uh, 17th birthday, his mom sent him off to barber school in London. Well, instead of going to barbering school, he joined a gang, uh, he did, you know, uh, live that life of, of a gang member. Uh, he became an alcoholic and he did it for several years. And he struggled with hate, struggled with anger. He was always getting in trouble with the law. Uh, he could never keep himself sober. And for several years, he lived this lifestyle. Well, one year, him and his buddies, or one day, him and his buddies decided to go see a medium. And this medium said to him, Havoc is about to come upon your life. Trouble is about to come upon your life. And it scared him to death. And all of his friends just laughed. But it scared him to death. Well, that very same night, there was a revival in town. 
He goes to this revival. He hears the gospel. But for five years after he heard the gospel, he struggled with it. He didn't understand that God could love him, that God would send his son to die for him. Why would he do that after all the mistakes that he's made? Then finally, one day, he just gave up and he said, I get it. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. And he became a Christian. And even as a Christian, he still struggled. He, 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 he had problems. And then several years later after that, God called this troubled young man to preach the gospel. And he became a pastor in a church. And he says here in his story that he struggled both day and night with his sin. With, and he was tempted left and right. And he said that he was always angry. He was always feeling hatred towards someone or a group. He said that every time he was stressed out or felt sorrowful, he wanted to go back to the bottle. And he said he struggled with it day and night. And one day, God spoke to his heart and he wrote down these, these words. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Does that sound familiar to you? And he wrote down these words and he says in his, his story that he never understood why he was able to sing so much praise to God and why God kept him alive, but it was because of the streams of mercy. Do you realize that God's mercies are new every single morning? And sometimes we got to remind ourselves when we wake up, man, God, you are merciful. Thank you so much for showing me mercy, God. I love verse 2 where it says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. That's kind of a funny word, Ebenezer. Y'all know what that's talking about? It's talking about the stone of remembrance. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 7, read about it. It's very, very interesting. But I love when he says that Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. Think about that. Jesus sought you out. He saw you in your state, and he came and died for you. He interposed his precious blood. But verse 3 is really the pinnacle of this entire song. And I've asked Alan if he put these words up there. And it says this, O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. And listen to this. I am prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. So here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Now think about this. This man struggled. And he understood how real it was that he is prone to wonder, prone to leave the God he loves. People, that's all of us. We are all prone to sin. We're all prone to turn our backs on God and do our own thing. But he says, here's my heart. And we have to understand that our hearts don't belong to us. They belong to God. And today we have to just stop and say, God, here's my heart. Take it. It's you. Use it for your glory. Take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Think about that. We belong to God. And yes, we do struggle, we do sin, and Jesus Christ here was tempted to sin, but he knew who his heart belonged to. Starting in verse 1, it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to point something out, because I think some people get confused. When they read this, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted. So a question arises here, and the question is, does God tempt? Now, the answer is obviously no, God does not tempt. James 1.13 says, Let no one say that when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God is not the tempter. Matter of fact, in verse 3, it just calls Satan the tempter. But Satan is the one who tempts. 
and he tempts for evil, but God tests for good. I remember my dad saying that to me when I was a kid. He said that, son, Satan's going to tempt you for evil, but God is going to test you for good. And that has always remained with me. And he says that after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now think about this, okay? 40 days and 40 nights without food, he was hungry. To us, that looks like an understatement. Y'all, I could barely go 40 minutes without eating anything, okay? You ask anybody that knows me well, man, I, I'm a human garbage disposal. I will eat anything. I will put it down. No problem. And guess what? That is a sin of mine. I'm guilty of it. Uh, it. It's an area in my life that honestly that has caused trouble. I'm on blood pressure medication. I take cholesterol medic, uh, medicine and I'm about to turn 33. That's pretty sad. Okay. Uh, but Ashley tells me all the time, she's like, honey, you got to stop eating. You just got to stop. And I'm like, look, Ashley, I need to eat because I need my strength. Okay, like, I, I work at a church. I got a big roll, a cinnamon roll. That, yeah, and so, but no, I'm teasing. So, but that's a cinnamon. Now, could you imagine if if Satan said, "Turn these stones into some babes fried chicken"? Oh my gosh, I, I gotta stop right now. I, I know I, I better stop that. But anyways, that's a cinnamon. Okay, and Jesus was hungry. But here's the thing: that Satan saw Jesus's weakness. Satan sees your weakness and Satan is constantly on the attack and we have to be aware. He says, if you are the son of God, turn, uh, turn these stones into bread. So this first temptation here is self-satisfaction or self-indulgence. Think about that. Satan is bringing up two things. He's offering him bread here. Turn, turn these stones into bread. And what Satan's doing is he's saying that what I have to offer is better than what God has to offer. Think about that in our lives today. This world, that Satan is going to offer you things that are of this world that look pleasing to the eye, that look great to our flesh, but guess what? They're not eternal. They're temporary. And he's going to trick you and confuse you and make you think that what he has is better than what God has. Another thing he's saying here is not trusting God to provide your needs. Think about it. If you are the Son of God, then why are you hungry? If you are a Christian, then why are you starving? Why, why are you struggling here? He is tempting Jesus to think that God will not provide his needs. So we see Jesus' first response. Jesus uses Scripture. This is absolutely huge, and we're going to reveal that here in just, just a moment. But Jesus uses Scripture, and he says to him here that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, this was revealed in Deuteronomy 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 2, when it was speaking to the Israelites. Remember, they were complaining because they weren't getting enough food or they didn't like the taste of food, and all they wanted to do was complain. And they were reminded that we don't live by bread alone, but we live by the Word of God. Jesus trusted God to provide for him. So our question is, are we trusting God to provide our need? Do we think this world, do we think Satan has something better to offer than God himself? You know, Satan makes it look good that, that success is better, that more talent's better, uh, a better lifestyle is better. And sometimes we get these things confused, even in the Christian world, and we miss out on the blessing of God himself. We completely miss out on God. So don't trust the world because the world is going to fail you. Now, verse 5 and 6, and this is very interesting. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and 
on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now, Satan, again, is tempting Jesus here. He takes him to the, uh, to the, to the holy city, to the temple. A lot of people, a lot of theologians believe that this was Herod's temple and takes him. And Satan gets into the Bible quoting business. Now, remember, Jesus just used scripture to resist Satan. And now Satan is trying to get back at Jesus by using scripture. Now, a couple of things I want us to see before we really talk about this temptation, okay? Satan is using scripture and he is obviously misusing it. He is twisting it up here. He's trying to make us think that it's okay for us to use scripture just to, uh, uh, to think it's okay for us with our motives and our actions and our own thoughts to justify those things. And Satan is doing that here with Jesus. Now I'm going to say, tell you something. That ought to light a firecracker underneath our rear end. Satan obviously is quoting scripture. He knows scripture. And sadly, Satan knows scripture better than most Christians. People, we ought to sound the alarm on that. This is God's revelation to us. And we need to know it. We need to let his word literally penetrate our hearts. And we need to study his word every single day. And sadly, we see how people, as Satan does here, misuse scripture to justify their wants, their actions, their needs, whatever. And Satan will do that to us. And then Satan knows scripture. So church, we need to know the Bible. We have to understand, again, God has given his glorious word to us for us to live, to show us how to respond in life. I would not know how to love my wife if it was not for the Word of God. I would not know how to raise my children in a godly home if it's not for the Word of God. We need to know God's Word. Now, the second temptation here is I believe that it's this, self-protection or self-security. Now, stay with me here, okay, because this is very interesting. It says that the devil took him to the pinnacle of the temple, okay? To the holy city. Now, think about it. The temple, it was a literal, visible demonstration of God's protection, of sanctuary, of security for his people, his presence. And basically, Satan is saying here, here we are. Is God really with you? Does he see what's going on in your life? Is God really going to be your protection? And then Satan presumes upon God. He becomes very presumptuous that, hey, go ahead and throw yourself down. You know, the Bible says this, that he's not going to let you strike your foot against the stone, that he's going to bear you up on the hands of angels. And Satan wants us to treat God that way. Like, well, you know what? I have faith, God. Why? How come I'm not getting this in my life? How come this isn't working out? How come I didn't get that promotion? How come I don't have enough food here? And Satan wants us to question God. And when Jesus responds here, he uses... Deuteronomy 6.16, and this is huge. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, Jesus stops right there, but in Deuteronomy it says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test like you did at Massa. Again, this is going back to the Israelites when they were in the wilderness for 40 years being tested by God. And in Exodus 17, they literally asked the question, is God really with us? And Satan wants us to question God's presence God wants us to question his security. 
And he wants us to think that God is always at fault and we are to see him as rival. We just sang it this morning that the rock will not move and that his word is strong. God is our protection. God is our sanctuary. God is our shelter. I remember my dad growing up and he would sing. My dad had the greatest voice ever. And I remember him singing when I was a kid, for I am sheltered in the arms of God. And I have to remind myself every single day that no matter what, God is faithful. Church, do we really believe that God is faithful? When things don't seem right, when times are tough, when we have a lot of questions, this is hard to say, but God is still good. God is still good, and He is a good Father who loves you, who wants to take care of you. Uh, listen, I'm a dad, okay? And uh, I've got a wonderful family. I've got a smoking hot wife. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Yes. And uh, we've got three awesome kids, and I love them dearly. And I want to take care of my family. I want to provide for them. And I want to be a good dad. But according to the Bible in Luke chapter 11, my ways are evil, and I'm going to let them down. But God will not let us down. God, yes, he allows us to be tempted. He allows us to struggle. He even allows us to sin. But you realize the reason God allows that to happen is so we can see our need for Him and Him alone. And that's why we go through struggles. Verses 8 and 9. And this is what it says here. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. So Satan takes Jesus to a very high mountain or to a high point. And he says, bow down and worship me. Surrender your will to me because I've got all the good stuff. Now, this is pretty, pretty profound here, okay? This third temptation is self-acclamation or self-exaltation, okay? Now, stay with me because uh, there, there's something behind this I want you to see, okay? Jesus knew that he was going to have to live a life of sorrow. He was going to have to le live a life of pain and agony and rejection, and that he was going to have to die a cruel death, he knew that. And God had promised him that when you fulfill this will of mine by dying for the sins of this world, all power and all authority and all the kingdoms will belong to you. So Satan is now going to Jesus and saying, why don't you avoid that path? Why don't you skip out on that path? Because I will give all this to you right now and you can avoid all that pain, all that misery. But Jesus still remained faithful, even when he was tempted to trade the eternal for the temporary. And think about that in our lives, how we put our faith in, in, and we, we desire temporary things other than the things of God. Now listen to this, out of all these temptations, no matter which one it was, if Jesus would have just given in to Satan just a little bit, he would have sinned and we would be lost today. We would have no hope because Jesus would have sinned. And Jesus' third response here, again, Jesus uses Scripture. And he says here, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Jesus, again, uses Scripture because He understood it is His supreme duty as well as every man's supreme duty on this world to worship God and bow down before Him. Jesus humbled Himself before the Lord, and He would be exalted instead of giving in to Satan's sinful uh, submission. Think about this in our life. We are to humble ourselves before God. 
We are to resist Satan, and that's what Jesus did. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, and all these, these temptations here, and all three, Satan is calling into question even Jesus' own identity with the Father. Think about that. He said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And, Jesus, excuse me, and Satan does the same thing with us. He wants us to question our identity with God, with the Father. And he wants to make you think that your identity is found in your sin. Think about that. Well, you say you're a Christian, but I saw what you looked at on the computer last week. You're an addict. Well, you say you're a Christian. You can't put down that bottle. You're an alcoholic. Well, you say you're a Christian. I saw that candy bar you stole in high school. That was me. <laughs> you're a thief. And Satan does that to us Christians. But the truth is today, Christian, our identity is not found in sin. Our identity is that we are a blood-bought child of the Most High God. And we need to remember that every single day that, yes, we are going to be tempted. We are going to struggle with sin. But Jesus has filled us with the Holy Spirit, and he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit till the day of eternity, till the day of redemption. Jesus Christ resisted Satan. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. It doesn't say fight the devil. It doesn't say come to dukes with the devil, even though sometimes I feel like I could do that. But no, it says resist him and he will flee from you. One thing I want to draw to your attention real quick, and this is absolutely amazing here. Jesus Christ, when tempted, he used the word of God. Now, I understand that this, this actual Bible from Genesis to Revelation was not physically written yet. Okay. I understand that Jesus didn't have, you know, the ESV or the NASB or the NLT. He didn't have any of that. Okay. But he knew the Old Testament scriptures. Okay. When Jesus was tempted with the word, he needed the word of God. Okay. Now I'm going to read something for, uh, for you from the, uh, from the gospel of John. And I, I've asked Alan to put the words on here. And this is John chapter one, verses one through five. And I want you to, to really see this, to really hear this. It says this, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the light was uh, the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, in this scripture that John writes to us, it says, "In the beginning was the word." If you'll go back to verse one, there, Alan. In the beginning was the Word. Now you see that word, Word, it's capitalized because it is a noun talking about someone or something. Well, this is talking about someone, and that someone is Jesus, okay? Jesus is the Word of God. He is the living Word of God. Now, when Jesus was tempted, he used the Word of God. Think about this. Jesus Christ, the Word of God, needed this Word of God. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ, who is the living, breathing Word of God, needed this Word of God. Now, if Jesus, who is the Word, needed this Word, how much more do we need God's Word? Think about that. That's huge. The perfect Son of God needed the Word of God. Church, we need His Word. For His Word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And we can hide his word in our heart that we may not sin against him. We need God's word. And why do we need God's word? Because we are at a time of war. We are in an absolute struggle until the day we quit breathing. 
Every single day of your life, you are going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to sin. You're going to be tempted to walk away from God. And it is an absolute war. And we need God's word. But guess what, church? One day, there's going to be a time of peace. And the Bible says in Revelation 12 that on that day that Michael and all of his angels are going to have a great war in heaven and they will battle the great red dragon who is Satan and all his demons and they will be defeated. The deceiver of the whole world and all his angels will be thrown down to earth. Then a loud voice in heaven is going to say, Behold, all salvation, all power, and all authority now belong to Christ because the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. The one who accuses us both day and night before our God has been thrown down to earth and we will overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony because we love not our own lives even unto death so rejoice O heavens and all who dwell with them because on that day Jesus Christ will be crowned the conquering king there will be a day of peace yes God sees your struggle God knows what you're going through but know this God is deeply in love with you God cares about you And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I know that we need God. I know we need His Word. I know we need the church. And I encourage you that in your life, whatever your struggle is, to look to Jesus. See how He responded. We need God's Word. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today and we just tell you that we are thankful that you love us, we're thankful for your word that teaches us. God, that it changes us, it shows us who you are. And Lord, I pray today that we have been encouraged. Uh, God, that we would just understand that you love us. You want us to share your word. You want us to share your great love. And God, I just pray again that you have convicted us today. And God, that we have been changed. God, I'm thankful for my salvation I'm thankful, God, that even though, yes, God, I am tempted and I do sin, God, that I'm forgiven and I've been made brand new, that, God, you have created me a brand new heart and a steadfast spirit. And I pray, God, that we see that as our hope today, God, that you love us and that you care for us and that your forgiveness is stronger than our sin. Lord, bless these people. Use them for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, if you'll come forward.